Well, good evening, everyone. How's it going tonight? Welcome to Element City Church. How are we doing? Woot. We're good. That's awesome. And if you're at home, hello, welcome, shalom. We're so glad that you're tuning in. Maybe it's Sunday night and you're watching right now. Maybe it's uh, later in the week, whenever it is. We're glad that you're joining with us as well. So uh, for anybody who's here, if you don't have the church app yet, we've got the Element City Church app. Uh, that's the go-to spot. So we always want to make sure people know about it, make sure people get that. Uh, if you are brand new, if you download that app, there's a, a little button in there uh, that says connection card. And you can tap that, fill out some information that lets us just get in touch with you, let you know about more, let you know more about our church and how uh, we can serve you and how you can get involved. So we'd love for you to be able to do that. Maybe you're at home and you don't have the church app yet and you're just sitting there on your phone. You can text 520-340-6868. And if you were to text that number, you just text the word hello. That'll send you a link that you can tap and fill out the same information there. Um, that number is actually pretty useful. If you want to know more about our e-groups, you can just text e-group to 520-340-6868. I'm going to say that number a bunch. Let's see if we can memorize it together, everyone. So you can text e-group groups to that. You'll get a, a the sheet that we keep out in the lobby that lets you know how you can get involved that way. Uh, you can text Micah 68, right? Micah 68. Just text that to 520-340-6868 as well. And then that'll get you the, the uh, verse that we're all challenging ourselves to memorize this month. So maybe you've already memorized it. And if you have, I've got a, a couple of shirts here that I'd love to give away right now. So is anybody a medium that has Micah 68 memorized that wants to give it a go? If you aren't even a median, you can still do it and then trade the shirt in afterwards with Jack or Amy or me. We'd be happy to do it. So I also have an extra large. So if anyone's an extra large, and we call it American. We've got an American size here. If anyone wants to try it out. I saw Josh go first. Did you want to give it a shot? Let's hear it. Right now. That's right. That's it. Boom. Which one do you want? All right, sweet. Anyone else? I saw a hand back here next. Was that you, Shelly? Yes. Let's hear it. What is it? Micah 6-8. Well done. She gets a shirt just for that. But for real, let's hear it. That's it. Look at that. Just took 10 seconds of courage in church and they got a free shirt. How awesome is that, right? So if it's not the right size, that's fine. Trade it out with us. We'll be happy to do that uh, for you as well. Um, so yeah, just glad that you're all here to worship with us tonight. Let's all stand together. Uh, we're going to get ready to go into worship. Jack's going to teach. We got a song after that. Uh, but we want to pray for our church of the week as well. Uh, the church of the week this week is the one that you're meeting in. It's Emmanuel Baptist Church. Uh, I had a chance to be here this morning to lead worship for them because their uh, youth pastor is also their worship leader and he was on a retreat. And let me just tell you, their generosity uh, almost sent me to tears today. It is such a sweet congregation, just wonderful people there. So we want to pray for them. We want to pray God's blessing over this place because they've been such great hosts for us. So uh, we'll pray for them and then pray as we get started. So God, we're just excited to come into your presence tonight. I think so often we show up to church and the prayers, we want you to show up in our lives. And the reality is, God, you're already there. You're already all around us and you're already on the move. And so often what we really need is we just need our heart to be adjusted, uh, to sense your presence and to sense your activity in our lives. And as that starts to happen, man, worship starts to break out. And that's what we want to see tonight, God. 
just an awareness of your activity in our lives, of how you've blessed us, how you've been there for us, how you've walked with us through any and every season. And for that, God, we give you praise. We give you worship. We give you all the glory. And uh, we want to lift up Emmanuel Baptist Church, and we thank you for them. We thank you for uh, Dorothea there. We thank you for Taylor. We thank you for Steve uh, and just the relationships that we've been able to build with that church. And so, God, would you allow us to continue to, to build into those relationships with them, that we could continue to partner together uh, so that we can make an impact here in your kingdom in this part of Tucson, God. Uh, we've got the Trunk or Treat event coming up this month. And so, God, would you put it in our hearts just to be very generous as we buy candy and fill those boxes with candy and as we show up on the 30th to get to serve alongside uh, the folks of Emmanuel? Uh, would that just be yet another chance for us to get to know more about them and get to partner with them in ministry, God? So would you just bless them with your very best blessings, God? Would you allow Emmanuel to live under your favor? I know as they've been searching for a pastor for years, God, would you just lead them to the right person, lead them to the right situation, God. Uh, so we love you. We're excited for the work that you want to do tonight in us, God. So would you open our hearts now to see how you're on the move, to see what it is that you're doing. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen.
Maybe we haven't been to church a whole lot. We think about the prodigal son, someone who was given so much and threw it all away and came back. And that story reflects your heart for us. That you came running, the father came running to that son. And Lord, no matter where we are, in our lives, in our walk. Maybe we feel like we've got quite a bit put together and maybe we really don't. But Lord, to know we can run again and again 
again and again. There's this heart, this core foundation of love that you love us so deeply. Man, God, if we could only learn to live our lives out of that love, gosh, what would this world look like? It might look like a kingdom come. So Father, I pray that you would empower us as your church, as your people to make that reality, to make that truth happen to the best of our ability. We wanna see your kingdom come here in our community, in our relationships. So Father, I pray that we would be a people who would say yes to your movement, to your call, that we would love on the low and love on the high all with the, the core of who you are built within us and the blood of Jesus Christ is our motivation to show others, man, just what you've done for us. Empower us, God, we worship you. May that not just be a cliche, Lord, but we literally stand here and tell you that you are amazing. You're worthy of so much more than this so much more. This is what we have to give. We just want to give a little bit more and more and more each time we chat. So may your spirit dwelling with, within us tonight move us a little bit closer to be like your son. We love you. So we pray these things in your holy, holy name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Amen. Gabe, I'm going to move that because I feel like I'm going to kick it. Perfect. You're good. <clears throat> hey, uh, so glad to worship together with you tonight, whether you're here, watching online, watching throughout the week. Uh, I'm Jack, if we haven't met, uh, lead pastor here and just an all-around friend, I think. Um, so I would love to just kind of continue on into our series that we started last week, looking at Micah 6.8. We kind of did a brief overview of the book, the prophetic book of, uh, from the prophet Micah in the Old Testament, written about 700 years before Jesus shows up on the scene. And uh, we are looking at some different things in that, but I want to start tonight, we'll kind of do a little quick recap, but just maybe answer this question in your own mind. Have you ever been treated unfairly? Have you ever been treated unfairly? Uh, you could go all the way back to middle school days if you wanted, but maybe recent, uh, maybe in different relationships that you've been, have you ever been treated unfairly? Maybe in your opinion, you were snubbed due process or the benefit of the doubt wasn't given to you. Think about it for a moment. If just when something happens that's unfair, uh, we scream the word unfair, don't we? Uh, we may not do it physically out loud because then people look, but inside, like we're like, that's so unfair, right? I'm, I'm not the only one, right? Uh, so like we all kind of lean that way, whether it's getting cut off in traffic. Anyone ever left a sporting event where it, it's, 
it's the cordial thing to do is everyone is merging into, like it's every other car, right? That's the way it's gonna be. And then you have that one person that's like, no, no, that rule doesn't apply to me. And then you're like, well, what? Um, I think you need to know that that rule applies to you. Yes, even you. And so then like you're getting as close as you possibly can because you're trying to reiterate the fact that you're not above the rules, right? Maybe that's never happened to you. Um, I mean, hypothetically speaking, uh, for other people. But, you know, maybe it's cutting off in traffic. Maybe you've been uh, receiving end of kind of the unfair treatment or rejection or you were taken advantage of. Every one of us, I think, could tell stories where our blood begins to boil a little bit when we're treated unfair. We yell it. Maybe inside. That's so unfair. And so I want us to kind of keep that in mind a little bit. Uh, Dave Hagler was a former softball umpire. Maybe you can identify with his justice story. It was actually uh, put in the LA Times a few years back. And he said, I was driving too fast in the snow in Boulder, Colorado, and a policeman pulled me over and gave me a speeding ticket. I tried to talk him out of it. Anyone ever tried to talk them out of a ticket? I mean, many of you, and probably most of you have never been pulled over. Me neither. <laughs> okay. Um, I lied. Uh, but a policeman pulled him over, speed. And he said, like, I'm worried about my insurance and how this is going to affect everything. Could we just kind of like call this? I'm really a good driver most of the time and all that. And the guy's like, well, if you, don't, if you have a problem with it, you could take it to court. And the conversation just shut down and he handed him a ticket. The next fall in the rec league, uh, Dave is the umpire behind the plate. And the first batter of the first game walks up and they make eye contact. And it's that police officer and it's Dave. And the police officer recognizes this is Dave, the guy that tried to talk me out of that ticket. And he simply makes small talk. Hey, how'd that court date go? <laughs> and Dave just looked back at him, long pause, swing at everything. <laughs> Doesn't matter where it's at, just swing at everything. See, we understand injustice and what we feel like is unfair and it irritates us, and it has a tendency to stay with us, and it riles us up. And my question for us to wrestle with tonight is, I wonder if God gets riled up at injustice that happens. Things that maybe aren't a speeding ticket, but are deeper, more dangerous, have more drastic effects an impact upon people in lives. And so we began last week looking at the prophet Micah, right, who's uh, writing this book, like I said, some 700 years before Jesus shows up on the scene. And in a lot of ways, the people of God have gotten to this place where they're kind of going through the motions of things. And, and you know how it is when you go through the motions of things, your heart is really not even there, and you're kind of doing these ritualistic type stuff. And in an essence, the bottom line, that's really kind of what's happening between the people of God and their relationship with God. And it's, it's become very ritualistic, and, and it's almost like they're caught up in the fine print. And we, we kind of talked about that, that in a lot of ways, the fine print could be hard to read, and sometimes people take religion uh, as the fine print, but the, really the, the heart behind it is for us to have a right relationship with God, and Jesus made a way for that to happen through faith in him, and he wants us to go with that. And, and we, it, when you get stuck in the fine print, you begin asking, okay, what gets God's attention? <laughs> 
And so when we try to get God's attention, is it just through like obedience? Is it just through just different rituals? If I do this ritual a little bit, you know, with more, you know, gusto than, uh, than other people to do it, is that really what gets God's attention? That's really what Micah is wrestling with. And then he writes kind of this little section of verses in Micah chapter 6 that is kind of 6 and 7 is kind of the setup, you know, what gets God's attention, and then verse 8 is kind of like, here's the the hammer hitting the nail saying, this is is it. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. And so, really, Micah goes on, he has, there's other messages from his book, but that really is the primary takeaway, and it's, it's really a precursor to what Jesus says when he just gives the simple invitation to, hey, follow me. And it's this relational thing, not meant to be this ritualistic thing, not where you get caught up going through the motions, you actually get caught up in a relationship where you're beginning to walk this out. And so we said uh, that, hey, anyone who can memorize Micah 6, 8, we're we're gonna give out shirts for people who could do that. And listen, we don't bribe you every single month, but for this month, we are. And, And so take advantage of that. So anyone memorize Micah 6, 8, I see that hand in the balcony, because I really want to throw a shirt up there, if it's possible. All right, you want to give it a go? Do it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Awesome. Uh, large. Works. Okay, we're going <clears> to, <throat> let's see who's that. Mark, if it's you know short, you'll have to fix that. Oh, just, thank you, Micah. That was so close, it was so close. I hit the wall, I hit the wall. So, all right, if, if you come see me at the 10-minute party, after the 10-minute party's over, you might have another chance. Just saying, just saying. Uh, okay, so we looked at kind of this fine print, we're kind of moving on, we're looking at what this Micah has said, and he's, this first phrase, act justly. To do justice is what maybe some of your translations say. Act justly. This kind of idea of equality or equity or fairness to those, especially those in a weaker social position. It's the opposite of doing violence or oppression or fraud or lying or injustices that have a way of playing out. Act justly is kind of the Old Testament response to when God says, hey, this is my commitment, and the commitment you're to have to fairness in interpersonal relationships and how things function at their best. And anything less than that It's kind of like this ripple effect of injustices that begin to play out. In fact, the justice in Hebrew is this cool cool word called mishpat, which is just fun to say. So let's say it together. Mishpat. If you need a cool dog name, I'm just saying, that's kind of a cool dog name. Uh, It kind of conveys two separate meanings. The first is kind of... Retributive justice, this idea of, okay, you do something wrong and then you have to face the consequences of that. How many of you had a mama that, that you live that, like they live that out in your house, right? This idea of justice was coming, uh, that you did something wrong and, and then when mama or dada showed up, you're like, it's, it's coming. And you had to pay, like you do the crime and you, you pay the time, right? Like you have to kind of do this. That's the reality of what it was, an eye for an eye. Uh, If you steal something, you got to pay it back. It's probably what your parents instilled in you. And that's one aspect of justice. 
But most often in the Bible, in the scriptures, mishpat actually refers to restorative justice, which is rehabilitation for the one who does the injustice, trying to rehabilitate them, but it actually goes a step further than that. It actually begins to push back and says it's seeking that those who have been taken advantage of and you're seeking to help them, it's more than just charity. It means to advocate for the oppressed. It means to seek social structural changes to prevent that from happening again. Meaning it's more than just an interpersonal thing. It's actually meant to have a ripple effect to all relationships around you. It goes a step beyond. It's kind of this idea that if you're in a position or a posture of being blessed, that you would not hoard that and you would turn around and actually be a blessing to those around you so that the ripple effect of that would actually go beyond you. Now, some people, whoa, 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 that's getting, like, not away from democracy. Like, that's kind of, yeah, yeah. Take it up with Jesus. That's what I would say. Because this is challenging, and it's not easy. And sometimes it actually pushes back against the American way. Take it up with him. Because what you'll see throughout the scriptures is this, this act of, hey, you're, you're blessed to be a blessing. It's what God said to Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 12, where he said, listen, Abraham, I'm calling you, not because you're cool, but because I'm cool and I'm calling you, and I'm going to bless you to be a blessing to all nations. And I want to have this ripple effect through you. And it may not mean that everything gets resolved, but it's definitely not to stop with you. It's to kind of rifle through your life and on into the lives of others. And we long for that. And a few generations after Abraham received this promise, his people began to see the value of the blessing when their blessing was taken away. And they spent the next 400 years making bricks in Egypt. And they realized, wow, this is a very different position that they're in, a very different posture that they're in. The blessing didn't flow, it was actually stolen from. And they were being oppressed in that. You begin to look through justice in the scriptures and you begin to see verses like this from uh, David who writes in Psalm 146, speaking of God and his character, he upholds the cause of the oppressed, gives food to the hungry, the Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. He watches over the foreigner, sustains the fatherless and the widow. He frustrates the way of the wicked. And then David's son Solomon writes this, Proverbs 31. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the right of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. There's a challenge here. But as often happens when you are oppressed and then you taste freedom, there's a tendency sometimes to actually go the other way and and then you become the oppressor. And we see that cycle through the people of God's just following from the the fall of all the kings and then the prophets come on the scene and and they are doing well and then they kind of mess up and they choose to rebel against God and God sends them into captivity. And you see this just over and over toward the tail end of the Old Testament making their way to Jesus. And it's interesting every time they cry out 
out to God, God hears them and he answers them. He responds to the injustices and the oppression that's happening to them. And he speaks for his people, yet there's this interchange that happens. And listen to these strong words from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter one, what the whole book starts with. He says, uh, this is God speaking to his people, the multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord. I've had more than enough of your burnt offerings, of rams and of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls or lambs or goats. When you come and appear before me, uh, who has asked this of you? You're trampling my courts. Stop bringing meaninglessly, meaninglessly offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. Your new moons and Sabbaths and feasts, your appointed festivals, I hate them with all of my being. This is the Lord speaking. Do you think he's riled up a little bit? They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I'm not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. And plead the case of the widow. You want to know what side God's on? He just told you. He just told you. Now that may be hard to hear. If I were to make a run at this today in our own words, written in our modern church and our modern language, all of your church services, what are they to me? I have enough praise offerings and clap offerings and Christmas offerings. I have no pleasure in your reading my book, arguing about what I meant, calling yourselves holy. I cannot bear your conferences and your rallies that promote your platforms. And even though you think you are honoring me with your worship, you are neglecting those in need. You step over the homeless on your way to your cathedrals. And you sing to me on Sunday, but you steal from your boss on Monday. You pray for the parking spot at the mall while children are being trafficked behind it. Seek justice. Speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. Encourage the oppressed. Those are tough words. And that's not the feel-good moment that you look for when you come to church. God, I want to feel good and encouraged in my faith, and I hope you get that tonight. This might feel a little bit more like a kick in the butt, And friend, I hope you get that too. Because I did. And I think from time to time, we need that. I think from time to time, there's a call here when you talk about act justly. It isn't just about you. It isn't just about you. And maybe... Maybe the people of God, those who are followers of Jesus, if we actually got that through our head and through our heart, the alignment with with God's work and what he's up to in the world around you might become a little more clear and might carry a little more weight and might have a little bit more impact as he wants and longs to work through you 
and in us. Micah tells us you are to act justly. Well, Jack, man, this world, it's got so much injustice around it. How do you want me to fix everything? I don't want you to fix anything. I want you to do, I want myself to do, the next right thing. At the end of the day, that's all you have control over. That's all the influence you have, is to do the next right thing. And what if we, the church, actually just did that? Like, didn't just think about it, didn't just go, that's a good concept, man, that'll preach. But like, we actually did that on a Monday morning and a Tuesday at the office or a Wednesday at the store that you're at where you did the next right thing. Well, some people want to argue, well, what's right? What's wrong? Let's debate about that. All right. That's boring. You want to know what's right? It's the opposite of when you feel wronged. Get in touch with those emotions. When you feel wronged, you know it, don't you? Well, what if it wasn't just about you? And you begin to recognize when someone else was being wronged. And you're like, man, I know how that feels. That ain't right. And I'm going to step into that scenario, into that situation, into that circumstance. Because that's where Jesus would step. What if we did that? Christine Kane said in her book, Undaunted, it's one thing to be awakened to injustice and quite another to be willing to be inconvenienced and interrupted to do something about it. It's easy to recognize injustices. It's another thing to be inconvenienced and interrupted in order to step up and to do something about it. But love has to be at the center of everything we do, especially when we talk about justice. Pastor Larry Osborne once said that one of the most, uh, <clears throat> most of our passion for social justice is more than just about personality. It's often a gift projection. So when the scriptures state to take care of the widows and orphans, those in the margins, so to speak, those with the gift of mercy may want to serve them food. Those with the gift of hospitality maybe want to bring them home or bring them into welcoming, into comfort. Those who have the gift of administration want to organize a food drive or a way to help in practical needs. Those with the gift of leadership want to run for office. And what I would say is all of those are good. The problem is, is when we start thinking our way is the only way and we start poo-pooing the other ways, and the reality is, in order to bring justice for all, we need all necessary ways of bringing justice for people. And so however God has gifted you, called you, pre-wired you, then maybe that's your lane to run in, to help bring justice to be there. Act justly might look different for you and for the person sitting next to you and for me. Remember Jesus in his very first sermon in Luke chapter four, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim uh, the release of the captives, that the blind would see, that the oppressed would be set free, and the time of the Lord's favor is now here. That's what he wanted to announce. He rolled up the scroll, went and sat down and said, today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. That would be the original Hebrew mic drop in that moment. It's happening. And then Jesus launched the church. And what he said to the church is, I want it to continue to happen. And and so I'm going to be at work in you and through you and ain't nothing going to stop what I build. It's going to be on the move, in you and through you. Ronald Sider uh, writes in his book, Just Generosity, uh, talks about four aspects of understanding the biblical sound perspective around justice. He says, frequently the words love and justice appear together. You look for them in the scripture. You'll find a close relationship. Biblical justice has a dynamic, restorative type character. It's about advocating on behalf of those who are maybe lesser than. It's about this idea of passing on the blessing. There's a special concern for the poor running through the scripture. It's incredibly evident, as you've heard. It's not based on unbiased procedures. Uh, God has a bias, and he's telling you, and he's telling me. It's about restoration to communities. One of the central figures uh, of features of, as you think about biblical justice, it's about restoring people into community. It's why Jesus spoke so often about after he did miracles, he restored, remember the woman who has the issue of blood, which meant that you are ostracized from your society and she gets healed and he stops. Do you ever wonder why Jesus stopped in that moment? She got healed. It's what she was looking for for 12 years. It wasn't enough, that's why he stopped. Because then it would be her word versus everybody. And what he did in that moment is to say, no, no, who touched me? Power went out for me, and then she comes forward and he says, yes, you have been healed, and now you're restored back into community. You don't have to live in isolation anymore. 12 years is too long. Welcome home. Back into community, it's about restoring things. That's what justice is about. It's what Jesus said in Matthew 25, another hard passage in the scriptures where he's telling uh, his followers then, his followers now, hey, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these, of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Think about that. Jesus is literally saying, That when you are serving, when you are helping, when you are advocating for people in the margins, you are literally serving him. Mic drop, again. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm on the side of those in the margins. That's where my eyes go. Do yours. Because so often in our culture, We like to avert our eyes. We like to kind of look the other way. We like to pass by. No, Micah is saying, Jesus is showing, God is declaring, no, no, you act justly. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I want you to be about. Food, shelter, clothing, great things. Everybody, a lot of people need help with that. But sometimes the greatest resource you could provide is your attention. 
A listening ear is sometimes more valuable than a $10 bill for some people. I think that's why you see miracles from Peter and John. Money, I don't have you, but in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And it's both and, not either or. In America, we like to write a check. But what if you had to check your time and actually invest some of it? And maybe that's what God's calling you to do. Maybe he's calling you to both. For some of you, you have an incredible gift to to be able to do that. Others, you may not have that gift to be able to to write a check, give in a way, but maybe you have the time. And and what if everybody just did something? Then it begins to have this cumulative effect about that. When Jesus was talking about the kingdom advancing, he was referring about another way of living in the world where peace and justice and equality for all were on display and on the move. He wasn't just healing physically, He was restoring people. And what if he just wants to say to his church, can you all just do more of that like I was doing? Let's do that. Jesus calls his church to do the same. The mission and role of the church today is simply to do what Jesus did. To put that on display, to put it another way, to maybe do what Micah said, to do justice, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. That seems simple, but that actually requires a lifestyle of dedication and a lifetime of commitment to other people more than yourself. And that is something that just doesn't sell in our Western world, where it's all about me. That's the challenge. That's why this is uncomfortable to listen to. I get it. Because you're fidgeting in your spirit Why? Because I was fidgeting all week in my spirit. This is tough. It's not easy. But this is the challenge of following Jesus. This is about the impact that we can have, the Christian concept of self-sacrifice and love for others emanating because of God's first love for me needs to be translated into our here and now more and more. Just the same way that it changed the Greco-Roman world when Christians, first called Christians, began to love those in the margins. And against the backdrop of urban disasters everywhere, they actually stepped into the scene and began to care and love and bring hope. And it radically changed everything. What if the church also began to partner and do more and more of that? Cities filled with newcomers and strangers, Christianity offered an immediate basis for attachments. In cities filled with orphans and widows, Christianity provided a new and expanding sense of family. To cities torn by violence and ethnic strife, Christianity offered a new basis for social solidarity. One of the reasons that we support uh, the Gospel Rescue Mission One of the reasons that we support Caring Ministries, one of the reasons we do the second Saturday food distribution is simply because we know those two agencies in particular, and many others, are working with people in the margins. And if that's who Jesus is focused on, then we as a church better have our focus there as well. Now, we can't fix everything, but we can do something. And so as you give here, That's what you're supporting. 
part of that, we get to be the church and live out part of our mission dollars to give away and to invest into agencies and organizations that are doing things to help real people in real ways who are really struggling. Because that's who God's focused on. And so as a church, we want to be focused there as well. There's ways to partner in that, and part of that's financial. Part of that's giving to the church helps to do that. And part of that is showing up on a second Saturday. Many of you were there yesterday and how we're able to bless and help people, how we're able to give uh, through caring ministries. And they do so much good in our city. Ultimately, justice points to Jesus. Justice matters because of Jesus. His kingdom is a place where justice prevails. So I cannot love him without loving the justice that he prizes. It is in Jesus that justice prevails. The cross was the scene of the most monstrous injustice in history, where the only true innocent person ever to live in history was visited with the sum total of all human sin and rebellion. And it is in the cross where we see most clearly God's hatred of injustice. He hates it. And his son took it all so that God's love began to work through his son and through the church that his son established to push back against it. It's in the empty tomb that proclaims most loudly, justice has the final victory. The prophetic books of the Bible, like Micah, they show us what God sees and when he sees the injustices. And he passes that burden on to many of the prophets. That's why most people don't like reading them. Because they're heavy. It's like this prophet has this burden from God. He does. He just does. And so, in that moment, you want to know how to get God's attention? You want to know what he requires? Act justly. Do it. God wants us to be people who are advocating for justice. We live in a world where injustice, large and small, goes on every day around us. And Micah would say, Jesus would show, and God calls us to do justice. Be an agent of justice in the world the best you can in the moment that you're in. I can't correct all the injustice of the world, but I can do something. I can notice, I can read, I can study, I can be thoughtful about what goes on in the world. I can pay attention to which governments and companies are being just and which are not. I can pray. I can ask God for uh, me to treat others fairly. I can at least have the courage to stand up for people who are being treated unfairly. I can stand up for people in my school, in my office, my neighborhood in my own. That's godly courage. Gosh darn it. Our world needs more of that. Our country needs more of that. Our church needs more of that. Our city needs more of that. I may not be able to meet every need but I can minister to the next need. Justice is doing the right thing at the right time. That's what it means. 
It's doing the right thing at the right time. We can be stewards, and this is what I would phrase up against our American culture at times. And I know I'm pushing, but I don't care. We can make it about just us, or we can make it about justice. Just us is an approach and a framework and a vantage point that says, it's just about me, and I'm gonna take care of me. Justice, godly justice is no, no, it's not about you. You can have some focus on you. It's not never about you, but it ain't only about you. And I want you to be an advocate for justice, that the blessing I've poured into you would just continue to pour through you and on through you into the ripple effect of others in an ever-widening gap where it seems the rich get richer, the poor get poorer, the lonely get lonelier, the left out get left behind, the looked over get swept under. We face this tension today. Is it going to be just us or is it going to be justice? Because you got to choose and I got to choose. We are to be stewards of justice. A little mantra that we've used around here for years is simply this, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Listen, you can't fix everything and neither can I. But we, individually and together, can fix something. And so we are to step into those moments. I want to do for one what I wish I could do for everyone. And so when I find someone that's struggling in a moment, they're on the margin, they're pushed to the edge, into that moment that's crossed my path, God, you've stirred this across or steered it across me, I can ignore it or I can step into it. I can make it just about me, just us, or I could be an agent of justice on your behalf. And so I, I can't fix everyone, but I can step into this one. And then when that's over, I can step into the next one. And what if the, the church, what if you, what if your life just began to, to engage and experience that? I promise you, this is what I promise you will happen. Life will become an adventure for you. And you will look back a decade from now and you will be thrilled that you said yes. You won't be less than, and my hunch is you won't even have less. Because God loves to leverage the people that say yes. He just does. And it becomes thrilling. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. We have Ana E in Ecuador that we help sponsor. I wish I could sponsor every single kid in Ecuador. I can't. But Ani's life is different. She's 10 now. And I got eight more years to invest in her. And I will do it. She's part of the impact we can have in our family. If someone in your office needs a friend, you can do that. If someone in your neighborhood needs a hand, you can do that. If someone in your friends needs an advocate, you can do that. If someone needs a hand up, you can do that. If someone needs another to speak up on their behalf, you can do that. You can't fix everything, but you can fix the next thing. 
Act justly each day, each conversation, each interaction. Do the right thing at the right time, just as Jesus would, the best you know how. And when you miss it, because I've missed it at times, I just say, God, I missed that one. Can we do a redo or a replay or I'll catch the next one? I missed that one. Because you don't have unlimited resource or unlimited time or unlimited reach, but you can reach out and resource and impact the next one that God brings across your path. What does justice look like in our day and age? It looks exactly like you feel it should when you are on the receiving end of injustice. Because you know how that feels. And when you can see it happening around you, then you go, oh yeah, yeah, that's not right. So I wanna step, do you ever wonder why Jesus gave us the golden rule? Do you remember what it was? Luke 6, 31, do to others as you would like them to do to you. Mic drop. Maybe that is how injustice gets pushed back and justice gets advanced. Do to others as you would have them do to you. So Father, man, we want to inhabit in practical, tangible ways this. God, I don't know how to do all that in my own personal life, let alone in and through uh, an organization called your church. But God, the best we know how, we want to keep stepping forward, not retreating, not sidestepping, but actually charging forward with the same focus and passion that you have to act justly. In our individual conversations, individual interactions, I pray that our people, your people, would act justly a little bit more today than they did yesterday and a little bit more tomorrow than a couple days ago. And as your church, we commit that the best we know how, we will keep charging forward with you to push back against injustice and to be distributors, collaborators, curators of your justice for the world and for the people that you are searching to help. Give us a heart for the margins. Give us the ability to help in each moment we're in, to do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. We pray in Jesus' name.
benefactors. We're the benefactors of God's justice because he took care of an issue that you and I couldn't fix. And he sought us out because he saw us on the margins. And he said, that's my kid. And I want them. And you benefited from that as a follower of Jesus. You've been blessed to now be a blessing. That's why this matters. Act justly. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Maybe Jesus is on to something. He's for you, friend. We're so thrilled and honored to be able to do church together, to do life together, to do ministry together. So thank you to all of you who uh, in so many ways serve around here, give around here, invest your life around here to not only care for those that are here, but listen, we are caring and preparing for those who are not here yet because that's where our focus is because it's where God's focus is. That's why this matters, so that we get to do this together. So quickly closing, just a couple different things. Tailgate party in a couple weeks. We'd love to celebrate together afterwards. We got American Flying Buffalo and uh, I forget, Taco somebody. I can never say that as cool as you say it, but uh, the taco truck guy. Um, Huh? You did. I took six years of Spanish and I, yeah, see. Go Miranda Tigers. Okay, so, so I wasn't in high school for six years. Okay, anyway, moving on. Um, so there's a women's event coming up, uh, Aspire, and the information's in the app. You can contact Diane, who's in there. She's buying group tickets. So if you're interested, if you're a lady, you'd like to be a part of that, you can find that information in the app. And uh, just whether you're joining us from our house or uh, in-house, we're thrilled to have you here. If you are new, I'd love to meet you at the 10-minute party, happening in about 62 seconds uh, to meet you back there. And I do have one more shirt to give out 10 minutes from now. If you're interested, that gets, I just bought you 10 minutes to study that verse for a free shirt. All right. We love you all. May God bless you. May he work through you and in you. And may you, may you be an agent of justice this week, we pray. Amen. Bless you.